Welcome back to the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. On this week's episode, I'm excited to bring you guys Coach Blanco. Blanco is a USAW national coach. He is a head coach at Brooklyn Barbell and also at CrossFit Virtuosity in Brooklyn, New York. I first came across Blanco when I was doing some research for the podcast with Morgan Vaz, and I heard his show called Off the Platform, which is also available on iTunes, so check that out after you're done listening to this. It was so well done. The episode was amazing. I decided I wanted to reach out to him and just start picking his brain on weightlifting, on lifestyle change, just everything in general. We had a great conversation a week before this, and I knew it was going to be an amazing episode. I'm super excited for you guys to hear Coach Blanco's perspective, how he changed his life through CrossFit, just the mindset that he has coaching and teaching athletes, whether it's beginners or whether it's people who are Olympic hopefuls. So it was cool to get his perspective on that. I did have an audio gaffe about 11 minutes into the interview, so I had to cut some because we lost connection for about 20 to 30 seconds. So I really apologize about that. But Unfortunately, the Zoom call just timed out and we lost about 20 seconds. Other than that, I don't think it takes much away from the interview. Just we lost a little bit of insight, but I hope you guys can look past that and let's send it over to Blanco. Cool, we should be live. Coach Blanco, thanks for joining the podcast this week. Thank you. Yeah, so really I looking had, forward to chatting with you. Yeah. Yeah, same here. Uh we had some great conversation off air last week. So I kinda just wanted to hop right into your story, how you found CrossFit, how you stumbled into the gym for the first time. Uh, yeah. Uh well, you know, I'm one of those stories that um you know that it, they're not few. There's a lot of people who CrossFit changed their lives. And I'm one of those stories and um, and it's a small backstory. I, you know, as an adolescent, you know drug addiction and in and out of jail and uh, found myself in New York about 11, 12 years ago. And, um, you know, was relapsing, um, always had weight issues, had a hard time following through on my health and, and, and pretty much anything in life. And, um, you know, and it was also dealing with addiction. Um, and then I saw a friend that I had known on the streets for years and he was like a changed person. And I remember being like, yo man, what are you up to? What are you doing? And he's like, it's CrossFit. You got to, you just got to try it. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I showed up at the black box, which is like this mythical New York CrossFit box that existed here in Brooklyn. And it was just like perfect. It was like dingy, broken walls, holes, concrete on the floor, no rubber, flickering lights. I mean, it was just like at a fight club. Like you didn't believe this thing was a real thing. <laughs> And, um, I met a really cool coach there named Torch and, um, a couple other coaches there, Kevin Smith. And, um, they were just really passionate. You know, at that point, everyone was super excited about this thing and it was a really small group. And, um, you felt like you were part of something new and clandestine and then it was just, but the first day I did the workout, I got crushed and it was like a, variation of Fran. It was like thrusters with um it was thrusters with like some lunges. It was horrible. It was like just who knows who made up the workout. Maybe it was a main side, I can't remember. 
Um, but how I felt immediately was like life changing. Cause I, you know, got that high from like, Holy cow, what just happened to me? And, uh, it just completely made me change my life. I was just like, damn, like I want to do this. I want to do this every day. And then to the point where I was like, I don't want to go get high. I don't want to drink. I don't want to get fucked up. I'd rather go do this workout. And it changed my life. That's exactly what it did. It changed the way I looked at myself. I took care of myself, um, the decisions that I made. Um, And so I think within the first two months, I was just like, you know, I remember overhearing a coach uh, talk about, you know, getting certified and so on and so forth. And I was like, "Um, I'll do it. I don't care. So I remember borrowing money from friends and family and I went to my first certification and uh, I was, you know, I was in, I was crossfitting every day, which is not a good idea. <laughs> but at the time there was, you know, it was kind of lawless uh, and we were all very new and, and learning. And uh, I remember after getting my, <clears throat> my level one cert, I showed up at the gym the next day. And uh, at the time there was a head coach who was named Keith Wittenstein. Uh, he was right now, he, he coaches L1s and he's been on staff for a while now. And then Samantha Orm, who's the owner, and still is the owner of CrossFit Virtuosity. And I, you know, I couldn't afford the, the membership. You know, I'm, you know I, I, that wasn't something I could afford. CrossFit at that time was still expensive for someone like me. And um, I just, you know, asked if they would be willing to exchange. Like, I'll clean the floors, I'll do manual labor, whatever needs to be done in exchange for membership. And they were very open very open and supportive. And Sam was like, yeah, sure. I got a lot of work to be done. And that time was boxes were really simple and rogue was just coming out with equipment. So you were kind of building stuff as you went. And so that's how I started out. Um, you know, I, I worked at the gym and I observed, I had a really great mentor and first coach in, in Keith, who was, uh, someone who was always about teaching and the details. He was such, uh, an advocate and some people would say we're like just crazy about you getting it right when you're teaching someone. Um, and so I had a really good uh, mentor in that. And, uh, and I got, I would say, you know, I took advantage of an opportunity mm-hmm. and I went into coaching because it created change in my life. Like it changed my life. And so my reason for coaching was, to instill change in others. It didn't matter what it was. It was like a first pull up or losing weight or just coming to the gym for, it didn't matter what form of change. I just wanted to be part of that. I wanted Mm -hmm. to inspire someone to be like, Hey, you can change or you can believe in yourself and follow through, you know? And that was, that was where the the core of why I became a coach. And I say more teacher, like I believe coaching is more about teaching than it is just like cheerleading. And so that's how I began. Um, And along the way, the, the, I guess my like superhero, you know, mythological superhero that I kind of looked at and I was like, wow, this person is inspiring was Mike Bergner, you know, and like everyone else at that time, we were learning weightlifting through videos. And when I met him personally, it just profoundly changed me. This is like a man who is like completely passionate about what he does, um, and gives everything he's got when he's on the floor and believes what he believes and believes that he can make change and, 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 and wants to help people. And it inspired me. I was like, that's what I want in my life. I want to be, I want to have that. And, uh, and that's how I started for some reason, Olympic weightlifting made sense. Um, and 
the movements made sense to me. And, and I started off with a small community. I was very lucky because I had a, a bunch of athletes who, who were CrossFitters who wanted to learn how to weightlift, the new coach who wanted to teach how to weightlift. And they trusted me enough to teach them mm-hmm. as little as I knew, you know, and learning as much as I could. And so that's kind of like the beginning of my coaching and then going into Olympic weightlifting. And I really lucked out. We had a nonprofit. We have a nonprofit on our program. It was a Steve's Club program. And I had a bunch of young kids that I got to coach. And one of them is named Reginald Lomini. And he's now a full-time coach here. And he works at other gyms and national level lifter, medals in universities and, and, and so on. So, you know, I got lucky with him. I got to coach a kid from like 16 years old all the way into his 20s and learned a lot and messed up a lot with him. And, but he trusted me and still believed in me. So it, it forced me to really be like, I really need to know what I'm doing and stop guessing. And, you know, and so I think the, the one component that really inspired me to learn more was working with Mike Bergner. You know, he, he had watched me coach one morning. Um, and it's an amazing story. He, he was doing a course that weekend and I was, I coached every morning class, you know, it's like there early. And I see this old man with a hat walking down the driveway. And I'm like, man, that looks like Coach B. And he gets to the door and he's like, hey, my name is Mike. I was like, yeah, Coach, I know who you are. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I can't sleep. I just need to go back there and do some old man workouts. You mind? I was like, it's your home. Do whatever you want. And so he was all morning as I'm teaching. And I remember the next day in the course, um, he was talking about, you know, having a good eye and really, you know, really having passion in your coaching, like really getting into what you're doing. Um, and he called me out and he was just like, I've watched Blanco coach all morning on Friday and he has the qualities that I'm talking about. He has that eye and he has that passion. And it, it was just like the thing I needed to be like, yeah, I don't care if I'm not that good anymore. I got those things. So I'm just going to go. <laughs> and so I stopped caring so much about if I'm a good coach, I started going with like, do I really give a shit? Do I really want to learn and make people better? And then, you know, from there, I'd say it was just, you know, moving forward. And like we talked about yesterday, just throwing stuff on the wall and seeing what sticks, but more importantly, really being informed and reaching out to other coaches and learning and, and being a student, you know, even as, you know, I'm being a coach. Yeah, that's such a powerful story. I, I want to ask a few questions about that. So where do you think that humility comes from when you can't afford the membership and you're like, hey, look, I'll do whatever it takes. Like, how can I clean the bathroom? How can I sweep the floors? Because I don't think a lot of people have that, especially, I guess, the younger generation, like my age, people would would never work for free or never even think that that's an option. So where do you think that comes from in you? Well, I think that one of the things that I, in my life experience, you know, at that point in my life, I was, I was broke Mm -hmm. and I had a friend who was taking care of me on a couch and I was sleeping on a couch and I was, I was in a, I was in a really dark place in my life. And I think that that humility comes from really, experiencing that. And I, and I think the reality is what I've learned with many other colleagues and other coaches is like, 
they've never had a moment in their life where they're questioning like their existence. Like, do I have value? Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that that's something that really uh, woke me up. You know, I was in a place emotionally and mentally where I was just like, you know, either, you know, just either do something with your life or just end it. Like, what are you doing with this, with, with your life in this world? And I think being there, you know, and being an addict and being in jail and, you know, going through withdrawal and, you know, and for me, there was a moment in my life where I was, you know, you know, in jail and withdrawing and, you know, I just kind of was in so much pain. I just accepted. I was just like, I just said, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. And I think that that when, when people get the opportunity and I mean, mine's an extreme, like I did all that to myself, you know, mm-hmm. and there are people who are experiencing turmoil and, and going into dark places because of things they can't control. But when you, when you have these moments in your life where you just accept yourself for who you are, that pride is gone because it's no longer about what I think I look like. Mm-hmm. How do I look like in this world is what can I do? Right. And f- for me, that humility in the beginning was just like, I, and I think that that is again, unique in my experience, but I think, and, um, and I believe that, um, a good portion of, of what I've seen is from other coaches is like, they, they, I don't see this, this concept of like starting small, right. I've had a lot of coaches that I've coached with that, that the guys are there. They went to college, they have academia, they have all of that. I should, I should be given this much. You need to earn, right? You needed to earn through your work. And for me, I was just like more, for me, it was more important the work. Like, what am I doing? What am I learning to be impactful? And I think that that's where that humility comes from. You know, that I realize that I don't know anything, but I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get there. And that's, and that's a question that I ask a lot of people when they get into coaching, they'll be like, I really want to be a coach. What do I need to do? I was like, are you willing to mop the floors and clean the bathroom? I mean, and they're like, wow. I'm like, then you don't want it. Right. It's like, how bad do you want it? Mm-hmm. And then, and in the end, it's like, everyone loves the idea. You know, it's like, oh, I want to be a coach. Why? Cause I saw that coach. That's great. Okay you know, they'll find inspiration or this vision of what they're, but when they're not locked in to why they do it, you know, my why is I want to help people change. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're into being a coach because you want to be, you want to have the most likes and the best Instagram, I mean, great. But if you're not willing to like, you know, work for it, like start small and then and grow something like grow into being a phenomenal coach. And what does that look like for you? And you don't really want it. You like the idea of being a coach. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's something that is, um, I've, I have seen very few coaches in my journey really having that humility. And, you know, you know, I'm not saying that, that you need that to be a phenomenal coach. Mm-hmm. That just worked for me vulnerability and humility worked for me and it made me very impactful um for other coaches they can't do that because it's not there it's not how they operate it's not um maybe they don't believe it i'm not quite sure but for me that was 
a massive part of how I got to where I am today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so deep. And I think, uh, athletes can tell like the, the coaches that I, that I worked with so far, you can tell when coaches care and, and you can't fake that. That's, that's not something that, you know, if you see, Oh, this person, you know, I get injured or, or, and they're not checking up on me or they're, I haven't been in the gym for a couple of weeks. They haven't let me know. So I think that's something that athletes can for sure pick up on. So like, what does that look like between your athletes? So what kind of conversations are you having outside the gym? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I think that those are all different based on athlete because there are some athletes, um, it's just so unique, right? Mm -hmm. The sport is the sport, but every individual is just so unique to themselves. And Mm -hmm. so for some, um, having that constant conversation on just being present, you know, and just like, what are you doing today? Um, because the athletes have, they're humans, man, like phenomenal high level athletes. They're human. They have the same anxieties and fears and, and voices, you know, and some are able to repress and put them away and, and, and they deal with them by who knows, like drinking or doing something crazy mm-hmm. or, or some of them are able to, to daily have a practice to kind of like be present in what they're doing. And so I think, day to day, um, I deal with each of them individually. I meet them where they are. You know, I observe, uh, their behavior. I kind of see, you know, this, you know, you know, D's having a hard week this week. What's going on? Ask Mm -hmm. questions. You know, I noticed this week, you know, you just don't, you're not holding your head up during training. What's going on? Um, you know, and then, and then it kind of begins the conversation of, oh, well, you know, you know, I'm stressed out because, you know, a friend of mine is, you know, not being supportive, whatever it is, because a lot of the practice of being an athlete is really your head. I mean, you could do the work, but if you're doing the work without purpose and without focus, then it's just work. I mean, there's no self-improvement in that. Like if you're coming in, it's something I tell my athletes all the time. If you're coming in and you're just pushing, you know, punching the card and doing it and walking out, Sure, that's a way of doing it. But the day that you walk on that platform and you need to perform, you will perform how you train. So if you're putzing around and you're on your phone and you're not focused on what you're doing on the small incremental stuff that's going to get you there, by the time you get to the platform, it's over. Mm -hmm. You're going to perform to your lowest ability during that stress. And so I always tell them, you need to practice how you're going to perform, right? Having those moments where you're present and what's going on. And um, I think what that allows me to do is when I see my athletes in training, not able to be present in what they're doing, that immediately lets me know, like, oh, what's going on over there? Like, why is, why is she holding her head down? Or I'm noticing, like, she's, she's barely made that lift, but she's looking emotional about it. That's not, that's not her usual MO. I, I always notice that she's pretty resilient. And so those are just kind of like, I just check in and I allow them to kind of lead whether they want to get into it or they don't want to get into it. Um, yeah, that's just the other way. So how much of coaching do you think is, is just people skills? Like we, we can talk about, we can talk about snatch and clean and jerk all day, totally. but it just totally. seems like from my interaction with you that it's so much deeper than that. 
dude, it's, I, I mean, honestly, like I struggled for so long, you know, to really understand like, what is it? Like, what is it? What program is it? Do I need to read all the Russian manuals? Do I need to read all of Greg Everett's books? Like, what is it? Like how, like I'm running back and forth. I'm calling this coach, calling that coach. And in reality, like you need to be able to teach a movement and you need to be able to fundamentally understand, right? Training <laughs> and the physiological effects on the athlete, right? You need to know those on a fundamental level. But if you don't know how to connect and really get more out of your athlete than just the training, then, then, then what? Like to me, if, if, I, if I can't have them buy in to really believe in that they can be the best, then why are they going to show up and train? Like they, they have to believe that. They have to believe that and they have to understand what is their limits. Like I know some athletes now have some that are reaching out to me remotely and they, you know, they compete nationally. They have those numbers and I look at them and they're like extremely athletic. They're really, really close. And I see some videos and then my, my main question is like, not what program you're doing is like, what do you think has been limiting you? Because if you're athletic and you roughly follow, like you could follow one of Greg's programs and roughly follow it correctly and, and have some medium to subpar technique, like you'll get stronger, you'll get better. But what's limiting you, you know, and, and you start kind of getting clearer on like a lot of athletes are, are limited from either their belief in themselves or actually sticking to what they're supposed to be doing. Right. And there, and there are many different things that I've seen. Some uh, who are super talented by the time they need to perform, they, they, they struggle with just being present in what they're doing. So our goal is to spend a lot of time really focusing on, you know, maybe they're lifting every minute or every minute 30. So they're taking the thinking out of it. They're just performing. And then for other athletes, it's something else. So I think that that is um, a, a big part. Like, are you really good at your people's skills? Can you really read your athlete? Do you really know what motivates them? Do you really know what stresses in their life are taking away from their training? Can you have those conversations with them? Because I mean, in the end, like, you know, if you're a really genetically superior athlete and you learn some decent technique, you will get good, right? But in the end, an athlete is supposed to be selfish. They want to win. They should be focusing on self and the coach should be looking farther down the line and all of the things that are around the athlete that are limiting that person. So, I mean, I think, you know, I think hopefully to answer your question is, yeah, you're, you better have really good people skills and be able to read people really well and ask really good questions. And I think for me in the last three years, what I've done is really improve on my communication skills, like having ownership on what role my role is and what their role is. I'm not holding your hand. My job is to observe and prepare for and talk about like what we need to prepare for the future. Your job is this, you need to train, you need to live a lifestyle that supports that training, you know? And I think that having clear defined communication on like, what are our roles, right. In this relationship as coaching athlete um, is huge because it's like some athletes think that like, okay, this coach is going to take care of everything. It's like, but you never had that conversation. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's helped me uh, tremendously. 
really understand my athletes a little bit more and get a little bit more out of them. Um, yeah. So how does the conversation change? Like, obviously not every athlete wants to go to the Olympics. Not every athlete wants to go to nationals. So how's the conversation different when someone says, Hey Blanco, I just want to compete at a local meet. I just, I've been afraid to compete. I just want to get on the platform. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about my total or, or how, you know, everything looks per se, but I'm just trying to do the best I can. Yeah. That's a great question because you know, for, for my community, I have some athletes that are, you know, uh, when you consider elite, you know, they compete nationally, they're on a, a world team list. And then I have athletes who are, you know, local level, regardless of your level, everyone competes. That's mm-hmm. number one, right? So that, that number, that thing right there creates purpose. Like, and I, a long time ago, I had a club and I was like, yeah, everyone come and lift. And it was fun. And, and I learned a lot, you know, having people learn, but when you don't have a, a, a something that is telling you, you need to prepare for a specific day, mm-hmm. right? That creates focus. Like we are going to compete on X day or we're preparing for a specific moment in time. And that's very different from doing CrossFit. CrossFit, I come in, like I did my workout today. I come in, I hit it hard. It's for my health. It's for my heart. Done. Weightlifting is different. You are training for a specific moment. You are training to, you know, gain better awareness and technique, right? So those heavier lifts don't become as challenging because your technique can improve. And then eventually, hopefully we're getting stronger. And so we have days when we're testing. So whether you're a a, a local level or elite level, everyone's getting tested. But what's required of you is a commitment to that, a commitment to coming in and improving upon what you're doing consistently. Mm -hmm. So all my athletes come in and some of them are completely individualized programs. Some of them might have like a general, right, program where they're just doing like a lot of the fundamental movements. It doesn't matter. You know, everyone is doing their work. So it creates this camaraderie um, from top to bottom where, you know, you could be a local level lifter and you see that other, you know, elite level lifter. They're not getting special extra help. They're mm-hmm. doing work, right? And it's about doing the focused work to prepare ourselves for the day that we need to perform. And so I think that the conversations are, are really based on like that individual conversation. It was like, hey, listen, uh, you've been doing really good. Let's put something on the calendar in about three months and that's when we're going to get ready. Um, and so it's all a conversation with all of my athletes. We'll, we'll announce like, Hey, this is our calendar year. This is our, uh, our, uh, competitions for the year. I'll put them up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go individuals like, so what are you preparing for this year? What are the ones you're going to be doing? And, and they can be moved, right? Like, you know, the, I'm preparing for AO. Well, AO is gone. So what other option do we have? You know, so let's go for AO three. Um, or for that new person, it's like, maybe it's an in-house competition for the first time. They're super nervous and they need to do it for the first time. So, um, there's no, you know, again, I, I, I want to be an international weightlifting coach. I do want to train, you know, athletes who compete at that level, but I also need to learn and practice. If I'm not teaching even the people who are just doing local level or doing series, like, what does that mean to me? To me, it's important to teach at all levels because I, for me in my practice, I've learned a lot teaching a super noob all the way to someone who's uh, advanced. Yeah, I struggled with that um, as an athlete. Like as I started to develop, I thought when I went into the gym that I needed special attention because... I'm at a certain level. Like once I qualified for nationals, I thought, you know, 
I should be getting more attention than, than somebody else who just walked in. But I think from what it sounds like at your club, it's everyone is, you're not per se doing the same program, but you're getting the same coaching. And even if it's not that national competition, your nationals is something else. Like I would say you get less, mm -hmm. you get less on hand attention. Okay. So uh, one thing I tell when I, when athletes come in or we were coaching or even when I have my coaching talks on, on Wednesday, it's like when you're new, there's a lot, a lot of me explaining, mm-hmm. this is where your hands go. This is where your feet go. This is where they need to move. This is how it should feel. This is how you should move. You know, as you progress in your ability, I should be saying less. You should be telling me mm-hmm. because you should have more awareness of what's going on with the barbell. Right. And so as someone progresses, and this is my belief, and this is what I've experienced, like coaching Reggie, like he, he basically just tells me when he's on or off. Mm-hmm. I can see things. I can see if his feet are balanced, but like I'm done teaching him. That's his practice now. He needs to inform me what he thinks he needs, and then I help him. And so I'd say like for, for, my, for my athletes, a big part is ownership. Like if I'm, if I'm saying the same thing to you over and over again, are you listening and are you learning? I mean, uh, that's, and I, and look, I mean, I, and that's, that's a constant conversation that I've had. I just had a conversation with my, my youth athlete, like, you know, like last week we were working on specific components of her jerk. And I remembered because I saw something and I asked her to do three things and I had to stop and say, like, do you remember when we had this conversation? She's like, yeah, it's like, you need to write down your notebook. Because if I keep saying the same thing and when you do it, it works, who's not doing their job, mm-hmm. right? And that's ownership because in reality, as you progress, like my athletes shouldn't need me. They should want my help, mm-hmm. right? Because there's something I'm able to give them, whether it's like preparing for a specific competition, understanding where they need to know with their points, uh, understanding what, what kind of you know, training cycle they should be on for the preparing day. Like they want that so they can be successful, but they shouldn't need me all the time from having to observe every lift and figure it's like, as they progress, I need them to be more autonomous. I need to observe, tell them what I see, have them work on it, have them figure it out. Because in the end, it's like, they need to be self-confident because then they walk out on the platform. It ain't me. <laughs> I'm not lifting that bar. You are, right? I got you here. I'm, I'm helping you. I'm like, okay, in six months, we need to be here. We're going to focus on this for three months. Then we're going to focus on that for three months. We're going to taper. We're going to go out. Everything's in the right spot. Go. I can't lift that bar. So I'd say for, for the higher level athletes, I prefer to say less. I don't want to be telling them over and over again what, the, what, what they need to be working on. They should be taking ownership of that. Uh, when they're a super noob, man, I need to remind them where their feet need to go. I need to remind them where their hands need to go and how to support the bar overhead. And so I look at it as, you know, a lot more attention when you're super new, but even the super new ones, like, okay, this is what you're doing. And I walk away mm-hmm. because they also need to have ownership, but I'm probably giving them feedback a little more often because they're new. And then, you know, for someone like a Reggie or a Casey, you know, at this point, like they know exactly what I'm going to say before I say it. And if that's where you're at, great, right? My job is done. And they, they can train on their own and they can observe themselves and they can be like, oh man, okay, this is what I'm doing. Let me, let me try to address that and fix that. And that's my hope 
as a coach that I could do. It's a horrible coaching style because you're coaching yourself out of the <laughs> equation, right? <laughs> Maybe you might not have a job, but that's what I believe teaching is, right? If I'm really wanting to be confident individual athletes and take what I'm doing and give it to someone else, I have to like make sure that they can do it without me. And they don't need me. They want my help. So you've seen weightlifting go through a lot of changes, I'm sure, like as, as USAW has progressed. What do you think uh, the biggest change is? Like I know the AO series is, is relatively new. So was it a lot less inclusive, you know, like eight, nine years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think that what the, the main difference is, and, and they got really smart when they started to watch like the CrossFit games and all these people who were CrossFitting and, you know, um, there was a lot of people who were getting into CrossFit and they realized, man, I really like this weightlifting thing and I can just go do like a local meet right now. Like I don't have to like, you know, and so they got really smart. Like they, the barrier to entry to compete on a national platform dropped with the AO series. I think that's a phenomenal idea. Um, I know there's been here and there pushback on whether they're making any money on it, but I think the biggest thing is that it's, it's getting more people to participate in the sport Mm -hmm. and understanding what it's like to walk out on that platform. And it's an awesome experience. Like people just doing that one time, that one series gets them bought in. They're like, yeah, I want to do this, you know? And I think that's important because in the big picture, what they're doing is like, maybe that 40 year old or 30 year old mom and dad that are competing at AO might not be the next Olympian, but the hope is their kids are mm-hmm. right. That hope is I like that parent or parents that are going on this trip, have a couple little kids and you're like, I want to do this. And then maybe they're doing weightlifting. Cause that's the only, that's the only future of our sports in our youth. Right. You know, there, a lot of our athletes are older. Um, and we don't have the systemization of, of sporting, in our country. So what we have is, you know, free market. Great. Come join in on this really cool thing that's going to cost you a lot of money to do. And maybe your kids will want to do it. It's a pay to play system. So I think that that is a, that's a big thing uh, that CrossFit helped with weightlifting um, that, you know, being fit was a big deal and you can spend money on it. You can have fun with it, you know, um, and you can participate in it, you know, unlike going to like a F1 race or, you know, a MotoGP race. It's like, you're just going to sit in the stands and watch, but in CrossFit, not only can you sit in the stands, you can do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can be doing it. Uh, and that's, I think that's what happened with weightlifting. And I think that's awesome. Um, I, you know, and I think that, um, you know, the, un, the reality is masters have been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that given even a bigger bump to the masters, um, to the masters weightlifting as well. And so I think overall growth, the AO series has been great. One thing I do think they need to do when they actually decided it was to cont- actually create a national competition day, right? Cause youth nationals would be on one day, then American open finals is on one day and senior nationals on one day university. So it's all kind of like spread out throughout the year. And that got challenging. It was like six competitions in a year, traveling, flying around. Um, but now next year they're going to have a national day where it's youth seniors and unis, you know, all in, all in one day. And then the finals will be separate because it'll be part of the series. And I think that's great because now we're going to have all of those ages. We're going to be able to watch those, you know, young, you know, 11 to 12 year old kids 
lifting, you know, and then the seniors are going to lift and the university ages will be in there. And then we can kind of see these are the best athletes in the country all competing on the same day, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. And I think that that's something that the series helped, right? We started to get a lot of people competing. I mean, I was there when there was like over a thousand people competing in the first Olympic weightlifting competition ever. It was like the first time. It was like Guinness broke a world record, you know, moment. Um, yeah, and I think it's been really helpful for the sport. Yeah, I think competing, like it's something I took for granted because I always played sports gr- growing up. But a lot of the people at my gym have never done anything like that. And and it's so cool to see people get outside their comfort zones and they go out for their first snatch and they're shitting themselves and they're just like a nervous wreck. And it's like, and just telling people like, this is going to make you a better person. Not only... It has nothing to do with weightlifting. If you snatch 40 kilos or 50 kilos, it doesn't matter. No one cares. But being out there and being exposed and and uh, giving yourself the opportunity to succeed or fail, mm-hmm. I think is incredibly powerful. And I, I totally. think weightlifting has done done a really good job where people who wouldn't have got the chance to compete are now being in front of a lot of people. And that, yeah. that's that's such a good thing for growth. Even, even if weightlifting is not, not your main thing that you're focusing on, but it's going to yeah. make you better. Yeah, I, you are right. I think that the participation, upping the participation, and allowing more people to participate at that level and on those platforms was huge. And, you know, I, I mean, I have master's athletes, you know, I'm mm-hmm. super proud of them. They're, they're amazing athletes. Spencer Sai, he's a, a silver medalist at Worlds. Uh, and a, a national champion, a master's national champion. And then I have, I have another master's who's like, she, she didn't compete. She was just ridiculously strong, Kelly Delir. Mm-hmm. And then, and all of a sudden she's going to come in as a master and like, people are going to be like, who is this woman? Like, where is it? And that's awesome for people in that age range to, to come in and, and do a sport and, and really um, push themselves. Right. I think that's one of the things that as I'm observing now in my life, I'm 43 years old, like, I didn't really see that in, in the generations behind me, like where they were like really participating in life and testing themselves. And I think that that really opens an opportunity um, to really like follow through on things. I think one of the issues that I've always noticed and for a lot of people is on that weightlifting, you know what competitions like that, that day's coming. Mm-hmm. your lot number is there your weighing is there that moment is happening whether you like it or not you're signed up yeah so there's no excuses in getting out you can get out but that moment is coming your name will be called there'll be a one minute clock and you're going out and i think that 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 stress of like i have to be prepared for that specific moment you know um it's very unique and in weightlifting i love it even more because it's it's literally you get a minute go and, uh, you know, unlike a long race or anything like that, you have to perform now. And I think that that is, uh, a unique aspect to this sport. I think other sports can also uh, present it in the same way, like gymnastics as well. But, uh, our, our moment is very short. You know, some snatches last under a second, you yeah. know, and it's, um, you do a, all this work, all this training to go out for six minutes and the movement itself lasts a second to like two and a half seconds and, if you're grinding out a clean and jerk, maybe it's like 15 seconds, but, um, yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a, a massive amount of work for a very short performance time. 
Mm-hmm. I just talked uh, with Morgan Vaz about that. Mm. How it's like she was saying probably two minutes on the platform, <laughs> and like at, at most, at most. I know. I feel like my next competition, I need to just stand out there longer to get some extra time. You know, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. So yeah. this time, obviously, right now has been you know, crazy that we have the coronavirus. The gyms are shut down. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for coaches who? are trying to do stuff online. You're trying to, to coach athletes remotely. Uh, what's that been like? What, what advice can you give for people? Hmm. I know that's a loaded question. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, I'm just going to answer it to what I know was important to me. I think the moment that the whole pandemic started and we were told that we're closing doors and like, you know, the next day is March. I realized number one, that training was no really it was no longer really about strength and development. It was really about mental health, right? Because if you, if you think about it, for, for, let's talk about CrossFit coaches specifically on one side. Um, like people are coming in for 45 minutes of their day to take care of their bodies, mm-hmm. you know, to take care of their and, and really what they're doing is mental health, you know, because stre- life, life can throw some shitty things in people's lives. And a lot of people aren't prepared for it. So the, hopefully the stresses that we're giving them in the gym help giving them that dopamine release, help them feel better about themselves, help them feel stronger and help them feel like they're more resilient to the stresses that are happening in life. So for that specifically, I realized even for my weightlifting community, a lot of them went home and they don't have equipment. They just had maybe a dumbbell or kettlebell. We loaned out a bunch of equipment. And for them, they're really just, this is mental health work. They need to do a workout during the day. I'm going to be online. I'm going to work out with them, keep them motivated, keep them moving. And uh, the reality of like, yeah, you're, you're probably going to get a little weaker because you're not able to squat as heavy, but you can stay healthy. You can get on a video with me. You can work out and kind of release some stresses that are going on in the, in the little control that you have in your life. So that was the first thing that I focused on. And, um, and I think the, the, the next part I really focused on was really that communal aspect, right? I mean, again, it's like why we do the weightlifting is individually based on everyone, what their motivator is, is, but we do it all together. We train as a team, even though it's not a team sport. And the reason we train as a team and we have camaraderie is because we're all suffering together. We're all like really pushing ourselves to self-improve. And so uh, my other pivot was to have those moments of just getting on, on a zoom and just hanging out with each other. And uh, sharing videos of old lifts and, you know, and also showing videos and going over technique and having conversations about weightlifting and then just having open talks about how things are going. So I think that those are like the two main components that I, that I focused on. Uh, and once kind of those were um, organized um, and I had that kind of set in stone, what days were training, what days were meeting up. Uh, then I was able to facilitate and take care of each individual where they're at, meaning that like some people had gyms at home or some people ended up buying equipment and started to kind of get them back into, you know, um, more of the technique and, uh, or more of the lifting based on what equipment they had. So for me, um, what I would say to a coach is like, look at your community and look at what they're doing and look at what they need and we look at what they're able to do. And then try to meet them, you know, where they're at. Um, 
I'm very lucky because my lifting community is, is a small group. We have like 20, we have like 20 athletes, just above 20 athletes. Um, and so it was easy for me to start to kind of like help people individually once I kind of had something for the entire group. Um, and I just listen, you know, I think that one great uh, coaching piece of advice that I got from another senior international weightlifting coach was like, stop worrying about what other people are doing and worry about the people in your four walls and listen. And they'll tell you exactly what you need to be focusing on. And I think that that was exactly what I, what I did, you know, once I started to create some components that helped the whole, then I started to listen and be like, okay, what does everybody need at this moment? And, um, and that's how I, and I think that's how I've been able to, you know, kind of keep going through this and, still maintain that position of leadership to kind of help people be like, Hey, there's a, we'll get to the other side. And when we get to the other side, we'll uh, jump back in and, and get started on, you know, preparing to compete. That's great advice for any coach. And I think, um, yeah, just the biggest thing I'm learning from you is that, you know, weightlifting is important. We all want to compete. We all, we all care about this, but it's so much bigger than that. There's so much, there's so much more to unpack. And, Mm -hmm. and this is about life. This isn't, you know, lifting a barbell and, and how much weight you can snatch, how much weight you can clean a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. I I fully agree with that. And and I think that, um, weightlifting specifically, um, is very unique because, you are coming in and you're constantly trying to improve upon your limitations. Right. So like, in, I, I love doing my CrossFit workout because I don't got to worry about making my kettlebell swing better. <laughs> like, I just got to do that intensity. I got to get that work in. I want to break. I want to, but when weightlifting, it's, it's different, right? Because you know that no matter where you are in your journey, like you must, improve your technical ability consistently right the more efficient you are the better you will be and so i think that that is like it takes a specific type of person that they are willing to come in and do the work you know and it creates a lot of resilience it creates a lot of work ethic um and really understanding that you need to focus on small attainable things first before you can jump in and just, you know, have that heavy day and cross your fingers and, you know, pull and pray. It's like pulling and praying is sounds really cool, but you might feel good about that moment, but are you really building anything? I mean, I don't knock anyone for it. It's totally cool. If you want to have heavy weekends, go for it. If that makes you happy, great. But in my opinion, consistently building on something is, is more important. And I think for really good weightlifters, you know, who are always focusing on their technical ability, that's, that's hard, man. That's a practice. You know, it's like a martial art. You're, you're trying to focus on small, small, small positions that are happening that fast. And, um, if you have that practice and ability to do that, it just, it just, it just changes the way you look at things, you know? You don't get too overwhelmed with like, oh man, I got to be ready for this thing. I was like, I got to wor- worry about this thing right here in front of me before I even think about the thing down there. And I think to me that mirrors exactly 
what happened in this situation. Um, someone asked me, I was like, you know, do you think you made the right decisions on, you know, like on, on what you pivoted to do, like taking everyone remote? And I was like, you know what? What I walked away with in weightlifting big time as a coach is like, if I get too worried about the thing that's way down there, I'll forget what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And I think that that's something that's phenomenally good about what weightlifting taught me because like I could, I, I had those moments where I had my insecurity and my fears. I was like, what if everything I'm doing right now is for nothing? Because in three months, five months, we won't be back till like a year. Like what, what if it's like, I'm all totally wrong, you know? And I could have gone with that. I could have gone with like, well, why do I even try? Why even do something about it? Fuck it. We're not going to be training anytime soon. Just close my doors, collect my unemployment. I, I just said, I can't think about that. I need to think about what I can do right now. And I think that that's something that weightlifting is really about. Like you have to focus on what's in front of you. And uh, the hope is that you have a great coach and athlete relationship. So that athlete can focus on what's right in front of them. And that coach can look down, you know, a couple months ahead, a couple years in advance and be like, okay, where do we need to be? And that balance in that relationship, um, you know, the hope is that can build like, you know, a phenomenal career as an Olympic weightlifter. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. I want to get wrapped up. Where can people find you online? Uh, well, you can, uh, our website for the weightlifting club is brooklynbarbell.com. And uh, if people ever want to get me personally, Coach Blanco is my Instagram handle. You can DM me, contact me anytime. And uh, yeah, if anybody ever wants to just chat with me for 30 minutes and talk about weightlifting life, you can go on my website and um, literally just click a link. It says, talk to coach and you get 30 minutes with me. There's an open time slot um, and get to hang out and talk about weightlifting. And I have been currently like growing my team. Um, I, you know, honest to say that I was really, you know, kind of like didn't really like the idea of remote because I never really felt that there was like the human interaction and, uh, literally had to put my foot in my mouth once we went into a pandemic. So literally my only option is to grow a remote now. And so I've been, uh, you know, kind of growing that. And I'm really thankful to have like, you know, literally about two, three more, two to three new athletes that joined since the pandemic started. So I'm like super blessed for that. And, you know, I guess again, like any coach foot in mouth, learned my lesson and, you know, and made it work and just trying to figure out how to be a coach on this remote level. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. This was, this was a blast. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Angel, I really want to say thank you, you know, for asking really good questions. And, uh, and I hope that, uh, you know, whatever you're doing is, is helping other people learn and helping, um, you grow as an individual and as, and, and, and someone who wants to share your experiences. And I think it's awesome. So I really appreciate the time. And that does it for this week's episode. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks again to Coach Blanco for coming on the show. Make sure to head over to Instagram, check out his profile at Coach Blanco, and then head over to his podcast off the platform, amazing podcast about weightlifting and mindset. So go check that out when you guys are done with this one. If you did like the episode, make sure to give it a five-star rating on iTunes and leave a review. Those two things would help me out so much. So please, please, please do that. And make sure to just share it on your Instagram story. That would be a huge help. Help me get to some new audience members. 
that is always something that I really appreciate. So I hope you guys have an awesome week and I look forward to talking to you in the next one.